the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Joe Cocker. What would you do if I sang out of tune? Would you stand up and walk out on me? Let me your ears and I'll sing you a song. I will try not to sing out of key. Oh, baby, have you that was 50 years ago, maybe to the day, uh, but it was 50 years ago this weekend for sure. Woodstock and Joe Cocker, who you hear closing this show every night, by the way, was one of the performers. It was hippies as far as the eye could see, uh, lots of sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and for a lot of people it was a nightmare. It ended up being way beyond what anybody expected, both good and bad. And when we come back from the break, we're going to talk to a guy from Pittsburgh who was there. But before we get to that, there is this. And now, it's time for The Jerk of the Week, starring John Steigerwald. Well, there are always plenty of good candidates for Jerk of the Week, but how are you going to pass up Joe Biden? Joe has a default mechanism that kicks in anytime he senses that there's an opportunity to show how he cares. That's just how much he cares about each and every one of us and how much more he cares than all the other politicians. Here he is on gun control last Saturday. I watched what happened when the kids from Parkland marched up to, and I, 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 I met with them, and then they went off to up on the hill when I was vice president, and they went off the hill to go into those neighborhoods. All those congressmen were like, no, I'm not here. I'm not here. I, I'm not, don't, don't tell them I'm around. They're afraid of it. They should be exposed. They should be exposed for what they refuse to do because they're being intimidated by the NRA. Well, of course, the only problem with that is that Joe wasn't vice president in 2018 when the Parkland shootings took place. He left office in January of 2017. Now, remember, this guy could be around for another 15 months, so uh, that could mean plenty more awards for Jerk of the Week for Joe Biden. The Jerk of the Week is brought to you by Windows R Us, Pittsburgh's premier exterior replacement company. Expert repair and replacement for windows, roofs, siding, doors, gutters, and downspouts. Why pay double? Visit WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. Miracle League of Moons, Mike McGulloch joins us. Mike, how's the new field house coming? The building permit was issued. We have the majority of the earthwork done, and they should be pouring foundation pads in the restrooms over the next week or two. Those restrooms are really going to make a big difference for athletes and special needs, aren't they? The ability to be able to use a restroom has always been difficult. You see how little space there is or little accommodations are made for individuals with disabilities, but it's something that we can make a little bit easier for everybody. From the field house to the ball field to the playground, it's really going to be state-of-the-art. It'll be updated with ramping systems and different things so that individuals that have problems with their mobility will be able to get to the same spots that everyone else easily can get to. And every dollar you give goes directly to the project. Our board is funding all the administrative costs, so any donation from anyone goes directly to the construction of the field. Let's make miracles happen. Give today at miraclesinmoon.org slash donate. Sponsored by Robinson Town Center, a Zamias Properties entity. Morning Bullets is asking for the public to respond to a nationwide poll that could help shape political policy in 2020. This is your chance to be heard by the decision makers all the way up the chain. Their question, should the federal government provide free health care to illegal immigrants? Yes or no? Visit TrumpsPulseOnAmerica.com to let your voice be heard before the decisions are made for you. Medical services are guaranteed by the Emergency Treatment and Active Labor Act and require hospitals to provide care regardless of citizenship, legal 
legal status or ability to pay. The Federation for American Immigration Reform reported that medical expenditures for illegal immigrants was over $17 billion in 2017 alone. The decision is up for debate and the policymakers want to hear what the public thinks. Should the federal government provide free health care to illegal immigrants? Yes or no? Go to trumpspulseonamerica.com now to vote. That's trumpspulseonamerica.com. trumpspulseonamerica.com. Be heard. Getting close to retirement? Experienced a nice Trumponomics bump in your portfolio? Well, we know the market goes up, and unfortunately, we also know it goes down. Don't risk your retirement to market whims. Learn how you can lock in those gains today by spending time with the team at Marley Financial. Todd Marley and the experts at Marley Financial can help you design a retirement plan that is bulletproof against the market's ups and downs. The team at Marley Financial uses a multitude of different techniques to make sure that you have a retirement plan that is tax-friendly, stable, and worry-free. Oh, and speaking of taxes, did you know that Marley Financial can handle that too? With all the changes in the tax laws, be sure you're taking advantage of the best possible deduction and make sure you know what adjustments to make for your overall financial picture going forward. Call today for a no-obligation consultation to see just how for 25 years the clients at Marley Financial have never had a retirement plan fail. Call 724-884-1496 today. 724-884-1496 or visit them at MarleyFG.com. It's a staggering statistic. One in eight women will develop invasive breast cancer during her life. New technology has revolutionized breast cancer treatment, giving women more treatment options than ever before. Dr. Charlotte Gail Patterson, breast surgeon. Many women choose to have breast-conserving surgery, also known as a lumpectomy, but this can impact the cosmetic appearance of the breast. Newer oncoplastic surgery techniques minimize dimpling or other cosmetic changes to a woman's breast, helping her to look and feel like herself. A new medical device called Biosorb helps minimize dimpling of the breast after doctors remove the cancerous lump, maintaining the natural shape of the breast. Biosorb also helps with radiation targeting. Think of it as a GPS for breast cancer, helping radiation oncologists better target treatments to minimize the impact on the surrounding healthy tissue. It's also important for follow-up mammograms because the marker can help identify the site of the previous cancer, aiding with future imaging or medical procedures. For more information, visit mybiosorb.com. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Well, 50 years ago tonight was the beginning of uh, one of the wildest weekends in American history. It happened on a farm in upstate New York. Uh, kids came from all over what was uh, for what was supposed to be a a music festival, uh, and it turned into a landmark event. And it was fitting, I guess, kind of that it it came close to the end of the 60s because it was the epitome of sex, drugs, and rock and roll, which is what the 60s are known for now. I didn't go. I had two friends who went, but they saw something they didn't like when they got close. Maybe the traffic, I don't remember. But they turned around and came back home. Henry DeLuca was a Dormont kid. He went, stayed, and he made it out alive. He joins us now. Henry, thanks for being here. Uh, great to be with you, John. Actually, Brookline kid right across the street from Dormont. Oh, I'm but sorry. So, I'm sorry. That's okay. So good to be with you in the, on WTAE here, 1250, and the John Steigerwald uh, show with uh, a lot of fun. Love it. Love well, being with the man. Old, old South Catholic guys, huh? Right. Yeah, it used to be WTAE. It's now AM 1250, the answer. But that, but well, I, I, no, I get you. You listen, used to listen here. It's, it's the frequency that counts. That's what gets you to listen. Uh, so i got to ask you... Um, was it a spur-of-the-moment decision to go to uh, uh, Woodstock, or was it a planned road trip? It was definitely planned. Uh, we we had I had heard about Altamont, and it really uh, felt bad that uh, I did not see that concert. Yeah. And so when news came up that uh, they were having a big, big, gigantic concert in New York, uh, we all started to talk about it, and uh, I think one of the folks had a, a flyer, something that had a fake poster. And we planned it. We actually went to uh, Chiefs Bar in Oakland and planned our trip and uh, down to uh, what food we were taking and certainly what wine and all that sort of stuff. Right. Well, I want to before we go further, I want to make sure that people understand you. Uh, it's funny because you went to this concert, which is a, you know, it doesn't quite describe what it was. But uh, you then became a concert promoter and you're still doing it, right? Yes, in fact, uh, uh, just had a Roots of Rock and Roll show, the Encore Edition at uh, Heinz Hall, uh, just about two weeks ago. So you put on, you've been putting on the Roots of Rock, uh, and lots of people are familiar with that. They're some of the best concerts I've ever been to, by the way. Uh, 
and, and uh, you've put them on for years, the roots of rock and roll. So you uh, you probably didn't know at the time that you were hanging around there at Woodstock that you'd be a concert promoter yourself someday. No, I did not. But I always loved music, and I always thought about getting into the business. So so it, w- it was a thought at the time, but not not so uh, you know, not with great uh, detail at the yeah. time. Now, how many guys went? Four of us went together in in the uh, in one car, and uh, we were all in the same high school. And uh, uh, Charlie Schmidt and uh, uh, Bill Eisler, who's with uh, Mister Rogers' company, and uh, uh, Bill Schmalz, and myself. And um, and how long did it take you to get there? Oh my lord, hours on end because we. Uh, uh, I think when we started out, we were heading to Woodstock, and uh, the actual uh, 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 we we hadn't realized that the venue had changed until somewhere along the way, and we you saw people, and they sent you this way and that way, and then the town of Wallkill came into play, but that really wasn't there either. It was in Bethel, New York, so we did end up there, but uh, we got in kind of too late for Friday. It was. Just uh, the sun was not far from going down, and we knew we were a ways from the actual festival that the traffic, both foot and car, were so heavy that we just pulled into uh, a little area on the right where we saw some other cars parked. It was somebody's farmland, probably, and we just pitched a tent there, and by the time we got the tent up, we said, boy, we're we're, going to miss too much, might not find our way back, so... We just decided to to cook there, uh, eat, and uh, go to bed, and get up early, which we did. And we we headed over at something like ten in the morning, I think, uh, on which what would have been day two. So you had a you had a tent, and so uh, not everybody was smart enough to bring a tent and uh, the ability to cook food. Uh, were you concerned at some point about somebody you know attacking you for your food because there were people there who were they they had, I think they had to like airlift food into people, didn't they? Well, there were people very hungry, and there was food that we gave away. Uh, but I will tell you what, honestly, it was amazing. The atmosphere was so peaceful. I, I, I did not see one fight with that many people in such close yeah. quarters, and there was no major confrontations even. And uh, I know uh, my friends pointed out we gave a, 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 a can of mushroom soup to a guy that was on hard times. He was uh, he probably... Uh, 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 into drugs or something, you know, yeah, right. into drugs. So, uh, but no, the atmosphere was nice that way. And uh, when we went, we 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 left food back at the tent in a cooler, and uh, but we took some stuff up with us, some canned soups and uh, some some meats and that now, kind of now how cheeses. Did you, how did you know to do that? Were you were people well, told that it was a that it was going to—I mean, because because they expected thousands of people, and they ended up with hundreds of thousands of people. For real, yes, actually, and uh, well, you know, being in the restaurant business and starting at my dad's and uncle's restaurant at the ten the years old, Penn Avenue, yeah, yes, uh, uh, that was always an important feature of, of of what you did, and so you thought ahead and uh, and packed a cooler. And it was one of those styrofoam coolers, not an expensive one. <laughs> <laughs> and and how far from the music was your tent pitched? You know, it wasn't all that far. I know it was less than a mile. It could have been maybe half a mile, something like that. I know it was a bit of a walk, but not not a terrible walk. And um, we all walked down, and the sights you saw, and uh, uh, it was just wonderful. Uh, uh, people having a lot of fun. And we got onto the hillside there. And even at that time of day, there were very few spots left for blanket. We brought we brought blankets, as many people did, and it was just blanket to blanket. You just could barely move around. You had to, every step. You had to watch you didn't step on somebody. Wow! And how long did it take for you to figure out that there was something uh, special going on there, and maybe something you could never have expected to run into? Well, first of all, the music was fantastic, and we yeah. loved that. And uh, uh, we, we started probably with Country Joe McDonald and Santana when we got there. And uh, so we knew that. But when they announced uh, how many people were there, and, uh, you know, this this is as big as a city. They, they kept making announcements, including don't drop the such-and-such color acid. Oh, but, wow. 
but but, uh, but as they made those announcements and you looked around and you saw and it, everybody was was just partying it was just great and um were you able to actually hear the music though i mean were were the was the sound good because uh, many of those outdoor things the uh, you know you have to be on high on something in order to enjoy it because the sound is pretty bad no i thought uh, in for, for what preparation went into it uh, uh, you learned afterwards but i thought the sound was very high quality we were uh, maybe halfway three quarters way up the hillside and uh, probably toward the center and uh, it was uh, around two three in the morning janice joplin come on followed by credence clearwater revival and when they hit uh everybody went crazy they did Susie q and everybody was up dancing the whole the whole area while it's raining was, no no it wasn't raining but oh. it was wee hours in the morning oh, it was, okay it was it was like uh, two in the morning by the time credence got on and so um i i i, I have seen that that they they just played all through the night so you could be watching like a, a world-class act up there performing like Janis Joplin or Credence at three o'clock in the morning, huh? um, and it, it, the music never stopped. Well, I left after Credence, and I think things did wind down. I I couldn't swear to that, but I'm pretty sure that that, that was the that was the end for that day. Uh, but I I knew I had to get back. In fact, my colleagues had left already, and uh, uh, they were back in the tent, and they missed uh, Credence, uh, much to their regret. Well, did you stay through till Sunday? Uh, we uh, did sleep over, went down Sunday, and uh, uh, went down and saw Joe Cocker, Country Joe, uh, I think play, might, might have done another appearance. Uh, I think maybe even Blood, Sweat, and Tears, but it, be, but it rained real hard at some point. I mean, really hard. And things got soaked. And so we came to the conclusion that with all this electronic equipment uh, that was on the stage, that by the time they got that dried out, there everything might be over. And... Uh, so we decided to go home. Uh, I really wanted to see Hendrix, but we I thought maybe it, it wouldn't even continue. Really? And so, But there were people who were stuck there. Uh, at some point, the mud and everything got so bad that they couldn't get in or out. And uh, there t- there's talk about uh, the babies were born, and uh, they just, once you were in, you weren't out. So how were you able to get out because you were... Your tent was on the outskirts there. We yeah, we walked back, and as I say, as as you got away from the site, there it did thin out some. So we got back, and uh, people were still coming in, you know. So uh, uh, we were able to get back to our little encampment, I guess you might call it, and uh, and pack up, get in the car, and go. And we had food left over. We stopped in the parking lot of a Hired Johnson and cooked uh, chicken or something like that on the way home. <laughs> um, but where did where did you go to the bathroom, uh, Henry? Well, they had. Uh, I, I guess it, I don't even want to think about the condition of the no, porta johns. Well, yeah, but they had porta johns then. Well, worse than that was how do you get back to where you came from, and how do you find even in daylight? How do you find where you were? I mean, it was a real sea of people in blankets, and uh, we managed to somehow get some kind of markers and go back and forth because yeah we did we did use use the bathroom uh once or twice while we were there at least and and uh and then i i had to get back to the uh uh, to the tent on my own and uh, i i don't even remember how i found it because you know everything was similar you didn't know exactly which little lot to come into i think i went to the wrong one first and then came back and uh on the second uh, try went into I'd go go to the left as I was coming back from the festival and go in there and found the tent and found them in there with their air mattresses I didn't have an air mattress every only once and for some reason when I woke up their air mattresses were, de- were deflated now how old were you I was uh, uh, 22 years old and um, so you're you're legal and you were able to drink and all that but um what were you, what, what about your parents' reaction when when they knew you were going? I mean, they they uh, did you just leave or did you uh, was it a discussion about that? No, they were fully aware and they had no no problem with it. Um, they were fully aware. You know, always be careful. It was always a, a reminder from from my parents. Sure, least, but probably everybody's. Well, what's interesting though is that if your par- anybody who whose parents anybody who went there, their parents were watching uh, the news. They were watching Walter Cronkite uh, come on and talk about this absolute 
total mayhem that's going on up there in Woodstock, and they knew you were there. But there were no cell phones. So you ain't making any phone calls from up there. Right, right, right. We may have called on the way home from a payphone and hired Johnson. I don't remember that specifically, but I know the opportunity was there to do that. We may have done that just to let everybody know uh, that everything was okay. Now, my wife, Susan, wasn't allowed to go, uh, but her younger brother was. So uh, she uh, she's still been upset about that because... Uh, well, she's a singer. She's just... Yes, yes, she is. And, and she... Uh, she would like to have been there, but uh, because specifically because she was a, a young lady, uh, uh, she wasn't allowed to go. So, um, it sounds from from what you're saying, it was a pretty enjoyable experience for you. And uh, you're really the first person I've I've talked to who was actually there. Now that I think about it, I think at least if I maybe I did, you know, in a few years after, and I've forgotten about it. But um, um, you're not describing what uh, what seems to have become uh, like just absolute hell on earth for so many people for two days. Did you see it? I mean, if it wasn't happening to you, did you see it with other people? Did you see people freaking out and, uh, you know, overdosing on drugs and being dragged out in an ambulance and all those kinds of things? Yes, definitely, but not in not in high, high numbers. I don't even know if it was scores of people. It, it was... Uh, it happened. You saw it happen. You saw announcements from the stage. You saw some ambulances there. But considering the number of people, uh, things were peaceful and uh, and uh, d- didn't see a lot of uh, mishaps. Uh, uh, hunger was the biggest thing, and certainly by Sunday when we were gone, uh, I would bet that that it, it peaked because as we were cooking, people were were drooling, and and so you gave some people some things. But uh, but uh, I think that was the biggest factor, and you know most of them just kind of got in the car and went. We did likewise, but we got in the car with with some, some, you know, the tent and the uh, uh, food and that sort of thing. <clears throat> here's the um, here's a, something that uh, I was given a, about Iron Butterfly. And as someone who has promoted concerts yourself, you might like this. Uh, you know, you've had, I know, I'm sure over the years when you've had these acts that you try to get in for the show and somebody can't make it or somebody's difficult... Iron Butterfly was booked to appear and is listed on the Woodstock poster for a Sunday performance, but could not perform because they were stuck at LaGuardia Airport, according to production coordinator John Morris. This is a quote from John Morris. They sent me a telegram saying, we will arrive at LaGuardia. You will have helicopters pick us up. We will fly straight to the show. We will perform immediately, and then we will be flown out. And I picked up the phone, that's unquote, and then I picked up the phone and I called Western Union and my telegram said, for reasons I can't go into until you are here, clarifying your situation, knowing you are having a problem, you will have to find other transportation unless you plan not to come. The first letter of each line in the telegram spelled out an acrostic making clear that Iron Butterfly was not welcome. I'm not going to go into what that spelled out, but uh, Iron Butterfly was, seemed to be a little bit full of themselves and maybe didn't know exactly what was going on up there at Woodstock? Well, I would agree with that whole assessment, and uh, uh, I got the uh, pleasure as a producer to uh, to deal with Iron Butterfly uh, for one of uh, oh, you did. Our, our PBS specials, the TJ, TJ Lebinski, uh, yeah that you see on TV. Well, I, I produced the concert side of those things, yeah. and uh, yeah, I did, and uh, uh, funny thing. I called him about something that we were going to do in addition to that later. And uh, a year later, I called him, and, and he didn't remember that he was there. <laughs> so, so, so that may give you some idea yeah. of what, what, what you were dealing with. <laughs> well, hey, Henry, I'm, I'm out of time. I, I got about 30 seconds, and I'm up against a hard break. Uh, you are also involved still with the, the group Pure Gold. And uh, tell me where you guys are you still performing, and if anybody wants to get you guys to come and sing some songs absolutely uh, we're still performing and uh, they could call 412-681-0652 for information and the group is going to be up at seven springs uh over labor day weekend on the saturday uh, for wonderful outdoor concert yeah they're always good they do a great job i appreciate it henry thanks a lot man appreciate it thank you john really appreciate it thank right. you that's henry Bye-bye. deluca he survived woodstock and was here to tell about it and when we come back we're going to talk about Youth sports, and that's not one of my favorite subjects. It is actually one of my favorite subjects. It's just not one of my favorite things. Stick around. We'll be right back.
With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. Jeffrey Epstein's prison death has been ruled a suicide by hanging. The medical examiner's office said Friday, Epstein, 66, was found dead in his cell at the Metropolitan Correctional Center in New York City on August 10th, touching off outrage and disbelief over how such a high-profile prisoner, known for socializing with powerful people, including Presidents Donald Trump and Bill Clinton, could have gone unwatched. The Bureau of Prisons said Epstein had apparently killed himself, but that has not squelched conspiracy theories about his death. Again, Jeffrey Epstein's prison death has been ruled a suicide by hanging. On Wall Street, the Dow by 306 points to 25,886. The Nasdaq rose 129. The S&P 500 up by 41. Oil up slightly 40 cents to $54.87 a barrel. This is SRN News. Your retirement accounts are at risk. That's right. Your entire retirement savings have never been more exposed. If you have retirement investments, there is an IRS loophole that can't save your nest egg. Don't let government bail-ins and fiscal irresponsibility wipe out your savings. Text loophole to 49776 to get Advantage Gold's explosive report that bankers and Wall Street do not want you to see. Your wealth is threatened by political infighting, massive debt, stock market volatility, and experts predict that the U.S. dollar could lose its status as the global reserve currency. Learn all about the IRS loophole that can protect you from massive losses. This IRS loophole could be your last chance to secure your assets. Text loophole to 49776 right now. Don't risk losing your entire retirement. Text loophole to 49776. Your entire retirement savings have never been more exposed. Don't delay. Text loophole to 49776 now. Joe Walsh believes we need to slow down every now and then. I just think, myself included, every now and then in this crazy rat race of a life in which we all live. We just need to be reminded. That's all. We're human. We forget. We forget what matters. We forget what counts. The Joe Walsh Radio Program. Weeknights at 9, right after Larry Elder at 7 on AM 1250. The answer. Do you or your business have financial problems? Are you overwhelmed with debt? Then call me, Attorney Dennis Spire at 412-471-7675. My legal practice concentrates on bankruptcy law, debtor rights, and tax matters. I have over 30 years experience as a former United States Department of Justice bankruptcy attorney and lawyer in private practice. I have represented thousands of cases faced with financial problems and lawsuits. Reorganize and get a fresh start. Call 412-471-7675 or visit my website at DennisSpira.com. Here is your new Pella Lifestyle window when open. Here it is. Closed. The new Pella Lifestyle Series is the number one performing wood window and patio door for sound control, energy efficiency, and value. Keep the outside noise outside. More peace and better rest for your family. Exceptional noise control for a quieter home. Right now, get 50% off installation or 18 months, no payments, no interest. Call 888-77-PELLA. PellaPittsburgh.com. Are you worried that the next market downturn could rob you of your wealth and your security? Are you concerned that your lifetime may last longer than your life savings? You don't have to be. For over 30 years, Gary Hunt has advocated for strong retirement principles, helping families in Allegheny and Westmoreland generate more income while protecting their retirement funds. And Gary now offers retirement-minded savers and investors a free book so you can better understand what it takes to structure a more stable, secure, and confident retirement. Call Gary Hunt and request your copy of Income Allocation, 844-366-HUNT. That's 844-366-4868. This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. Upon your passing, you wouldn't want a judge to decide who raises your children or how your estate gets divided. It is important to review your estate planning documents to ensure they protect what matters most. At Abernathy and Hagerman, we will work with you to establish an estate plan that nominates a guardian for your minor children and that your assets are used for your family's benefit. Judge for yourself. For legal help that lasts a lifetime, visit a-h.law. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. Got some heavy delays northbound 79 Mountain Uber Road up to Warrendale Bain Road crashes off to the shoulder. Southbound 79 accident blocks three lanes approaching Washington Pike. You can get by on the shoulder, but expect a big delay there as well. Parkway West, that is heavy inbound Carnegie to the Fort Pitt Tunnel, and there is an accident off to the side at Carnegie. Also watch out for an accident, Butler Street at the Fleming Bridge. 
That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, the answer. Weather. We'll have some patchy clouds around the area for tonight, the low 66. Tomorrow, intervals of clouds and sunshine, humid with a shower or thunderstorm in some spots for the afternoon and evening, high tomorrow 84. Mostly cloudy for the rest of tomorrow night, low 67. And for Sunday, very warm and humid with clouds and some sun, 89 degrees. With Iraqi weather forecast, I'm meteorologist Danielle Niddle. This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. We talk about sports on this show quite a bit. Seems to happen more on Fridays for some reason. Today we're going to talk about one of my favorite subjects, youth sports. I saw a piece on the CBS News website yesterday with a headline, Game Over, Middle Class and Poor Kids Ditching Youth Sports. I happen to think there are times when youths not being involved in youth sports is a good thing. John Solomon is editorial director of the Aspen Institute Sports and Society Program, and he joins us now. John, thanks for being here. Sure, thanks for having me. So tell us, first of all, what the Aspen Institute is about. So the Aspen Institute, we're a, a nonpartisan forum for um, values-based leadership and the exchange of ideas. We're based in Washington, D.C., and one of our programs is called Project Play. Um, and this is an initiative that develops, applies, and shares knowledge, helps stakeholders build healthy communities through sports. big thing that's happening now these days is participation rates are declining in sports, um, also, obesity rates are going up. Health issues are going up for kids because they're not getting enough physical activity. They're not having a positive experience in sports. And so we're trying to, um, you know, advocate and make sure that more kids and really every kid should have the opportunity to play sports regardless of where they live, regardless of how good they are as a player. Okay, so I, I saw the uh, I saw the reference made to the Aspen Institute uh, in a CBS uh, a story on the CBS website yesterday, and I've had someone from your show on before, or from your organization on the show before, uh, and, and the Aspen Institute was quoted in the CBS story. It said, according to your study, participation in sports among families making less than seventy five thousand dollars a year has dropped since two thousand eleven. Have you determined why? Well, there's no one silver reason, but, I mean, there's there's several. One is just the cost. I mean, the costs continue to increase um, for a lot of parents. We just had a, a recent National Youth Sports Parent Survey that showed the average cost for a parent for one child in a sport uh, over the course of one year is about $700. That's the average. I mean, on the, the, the higher end, the average for ice hockey is about $2,500. you have got some parents spending $30,000 a year for one child in a sport. So it's really created this gap of, of haves versus have-nots. Um, another issue is there, there are very few coaches who are trained. You know, less than 20% of coaches have been trained in the past three years in key areas like CPR, basic first aid, the sports skills and tactics of the sport that they're coaching, um, just general effective motivational techniques with kids. Um, and then there's also the factor that just uh, we, we've created a uh, an industry where um, it's it's a lot of pressure on kids in sports. Um, parents or coaches, the adults, all want the kids to do well and develop and perhaps be on the high school team or the college team. And the reality is that when you ask kids what they want to do, the number one thing is they just want to have fun and be with their teammates. Like winning ranks much lower on the list. What a crazy idea. That they want to have that a kid eight years old just wants to have fun. Um, the the biggest gap, not surprisingly, I guess, uh, is between families making twenty five thousand or less and families making a hundred thousand. It's thirty percent for the low income kids who who take part in youth sports, and seventy percent if you're middle or upper income. That's yeah, a big it's, gap. It's a huge gap. Yeah, and it's a really big problem. Um, so when the, you know, and a lot of parents are well intentioned, and particularly if you if you have the means and you have the resources and more money to spend money on your child, that's that's terrific in a way. But it's it's widening the gap of those who can't afford it. So what's happened a lot is, you know, when I grew up, I imagine when you grew up, there's a lot of uh, in town leagues, you know, local community leagues, parks and rec, you know. Um, what have you, that's where you play your sports. And you'd all be in the same community, same friends, same parents. The parents who have the resources and the money, they're taking their kids increasingly more to the travel culture. Um, and, and so you're spending money to go on out-of-state tournaments, you know, on weekends. It's a lot more cost and the fees. 
Uh, and so what's happening is it's also impacting the programming at the recreational level because you don't have that money as much anymore from those um, more well-off parents. You also don't have their time to volunteer as coaches, you know, or administrators. So it has created a challenge for a lot of, um, you know, like in-town leagues. Now, uh, when when we talk about youth sports now, um, how youth are we talking about? How young are we talking about? And what? And when, when do you start measuring, you know, whether whether kids are interested in participating? Because, you know, if you're talking about six and seven year old kids. They're not interested in doing anything unless their parents tell them they're interested in it. You know what I mean? So yeah. you're, you're really so, measuring the parents' interest as much as you are the kids at a certain age, aren't you? It, to, to some extent. I mean, we, we do do surveys um, of kids across the country um, in, in different communities that we're in. Um, when we look at the state of youth sports in a particular region or city or county. And, yeah, when you get to the younger kids, sometimes it's a little bit more difficult to really get their their opinions because sometimes they don't know exactly what what you're what's being asked um but at project play we look at ages six to twelve but largely we also are starting to go into middle school and high school sports as well um but it's still pretty important to just ask kids what they want it's really our, n- our number one strategy um and a lot of people you know bemoan how much kids are spending inside on their couch with technology and the you know, video games and their phone yeah. and all the tablets. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot to that. Um, but really, you know, video games could teach a lot to youth sports because video games have created this youth-centric um, approach, you know, where the kids can control um, the, the ability and the level that they're playing. The kids can control who they're playing with. They're playing with friends. The kids don't have the parents, you know, or a coach looking over their shoulder and criticizing them for everything. So there's really a lot that we could learn from, from video games and youth sports. Yeah, and, you know, a, a, a good sign of somebody being old like me is to say that uh, we didn't need organization when, when we were kids. Uh, most of the, the most fun I had playing sports growing up was in pickup games. All the way until I was in my mid-30s, I, I played pickup touch football and I, I also played in some organized leagues, you know, flag football leagues, until I was in my 30s. But uh, the uh, the guys I grew up with, were st- we were still playing pickup games in our 30s. And I just, uh, there's so, uh, for, for one thing, you, you mentioned kids, you, you study kids from 6 to 12. Now, I, I know that it's been a long time since kids that age started playing organized sports. But when I was a kid, there was no organized sports for a six-year-old. Nothing. Zero. Zero. Uh, no, I don't think it was anything until you were at maybe nine years old. You started playing Little League Baseball. And the difference was, and I don't know if you've looked into this uh, at all, but the difference, and I, I saw this with my grandkids playing, the difference in youth sports, and I think this might uh, say have something to do with their willingness to participate. I found that watching my uh, kids, my grandkids play uh, Little League Baseball, youth baseball, it was excruciatingly boring. Because they all were bad baseball players. They couldn't play. And, and they gave them uniforms and got them umpires and you know, got them a scoreboard. And they had the parents in the stands. And the only thing missing was their ability to pick up a ball and throw it to the first baseman. No, nobody could do it. So it, I think it's evolved. And I'm, 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 it's a long question, but I'm, I'm asking because I'm wondering if you've, if you've found that uh, kids are now brought into youth baseball to learn how to play a sport as opposed to in the past when they were decently when they were decent at the sport then somebody said hey now it's time to to uh, belong to a team because to me that's that's what makes it boring for them yeah no totally i mean i, I think free play is sort of um dying it's not dead in our country you know right now yeah. to your point I, I did the same thing growing up you just go outside and you're playing hours at a time you know to come back around dinner time when it's yeah. dark you know that's, that's when you come back um now i think increasingly uh parents are reluctant to let children ride bikes across town you no know to question. play games with friends or in communities now to some extent there could be some legitimate safety reasons right depending on where you are yeah to others it could be some you know overprotection, you know a little bit but there's a lot of you know research and science out there um researchers and, and psychologists and scientists who say that you know, kids need this great play. They need to go out and just be able to settle their own disputes, right, with kids. You know, create their own rules, um, use their imagination, just try out different activities and sports. Um, but to your point about baseball, yeah, I, I mean, I've seen it. My son 
um, has played baseball. And when we get to, um, I think they probably started kid pitch around eight or nine years old. He's yep. 10 now. And boy, those games, no one can throw strikes. Maybe one kid can, you know, and it's walk after walk after walk. And you're going, yeah, and, why are we and doing John, kid, that, why are we doing kid that, pitch right now? That's not baseball. Ba- baseball yeah. to a kid. Uh, when you're when when we would play our pickup games and we played them at eight and nine and ten years old, uh, the the object was to make sure that the hitter could hit the ball because we didn't want to stand out there and watch. Nobody called balls and strikes, and you wanted the yep. ball in play because it was fun to chase the ball down, make a catch in the outfield, throw it back in. That was as much a part of it as hitting, and it just it it really annoys me when I see these kids playing and the kid will stand up there and take 12 pitches and you know it's just it's just and and the kids are standing in the outfield looking up in the air watching the birds and, and then yeah. people wonder why they're not having fun they're because it, it isn't fun it's boring totally agree yeah yeah there's a lot of standing around you know you know major league baseball has, has been looking at this and they're trying to create some different types of rules even for younger kids like even putting a, I think like putting a kid on base like on second base at the start of an inning or something, so at least you have some you know, more action and there's a kid running or you know, sh- uh, you know, having every kid be able to bat you know, through the course of the game. They're trying to do some different things, but I mean, baseball is just a sport, particularly at younger ages, where it's a lot of standing around. Well, another thing that I've, that I've noticed is that um, if, if, I were, if I were made king and, and, and uh, was given control over Little League Baseball, when the, if, if you're going to make them show up and be organized at eight years old, they'd be playing with a tennis ball or a rubber ball, one that didn't hurt them when it hit them because they can't catch. So why would you give them a, a ball that hits them in the face and, and, it, and it hurts them and they don't want to do it again? I, I've never understood yeah. that. And to me, John, it's because the parents... Unfortunately, the men involved, they want to see their kids playing with a real baseball. They think there's something wrong if they were out there playing with some kind of a mush ball. They'd be better off playing wiffle ball because then then they might actually learn how to catch and throw, and you wouldn't have to put somebody on second base because somebody would be there. You know? There's no doubt. Well, I mean, my my, my ten year old boy enjoys wiffle ball more than going when we're just playing outside than just going out and taking batting practice or throwing the ball on. He likes wiffle ball. He can hit it kind of farther. It's just sort of that you sort of play home run derby, you know, with wiffle ball. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's enjoyment around it. Yeah, and see, and and this is what I don't understand. You 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 see it, and you know it's obvious. And most of the people I've talked to over the last hundred years that I've been talking about this, they feel the same way. Yet they sit there and they watch these little league games, and they all have their nice uniforms on. The umpires there calling balls and strikes, and nothing is happening because nobody can play. And so, wouldn't they be better if the parents just said, "Here, here's a ball and a bat, and everybody has your glove. Pick up uh, teams and go play, and we're going to leave you alone for an hour and a half." I think, uh, and, and, yeah. and there'd be no travel team in that case, you know, and it would be all based on just do you want to play and have fun. I Put it this way, John, I don't know, I, I'm so far removed from it, I understand it, but um, if it were up to me, if if, if baseball were, were like it is, had been like it is now, back when I was a kid, I'd have never picked up a glove or a ball. Because if the only thing I could do was go to a Little League game and stand around, I would have said, what am I doing here? Let's play, let's play yeah. hide and seek. Anything. Anything yeah. other than this. And, and, and you know, yeah, and you know what? And it's also not just baseball. I mean, we're talking a lot about baseball, and you're right. But Same it's, thing, it's, football. It's, it's, almost, yeah. it's almost all the sports. It's a, it's a lot of the sports where it's very little free play, pick up outside with friends. It's, you know, basketball still some, right? There's still that environment of, you know, you've got basketball courts and hoops. But uh, even, even that anecdotally, I don't, I don't think that it's as much as, you know, when I was a kid 20, 30 years ago. Yeah, we're talking to John Solomon. He's editorial director of the Aspen Institute uh, Sports and Society Program. So, I, um, I, John, I guess maybe what I'm, I'm getting at here, and I kind of went off track a little bit from what I planned on talking about, but this is it, it's the same. Every time I have this conversation with somebody, it ends up coming around to the same thing, and it's, it's that people are wondering why the kids aren't having fun. Why isn't there somebody out there, and maybe there is, you can tell me, you're, you study this stuff. Is there somebody out there trying to do things a little bit different when it comes to sports, where it's not um, so organized so that they, they organize the fun out of it? Yeah, I mean, we're trying. We're trying to spread the message, you know, at Project Play and you know, our website, <clears throat> at projectplay.us. We have a lot of resources there, tools to help parents, mm-hmm. to help coaches, to help community leaders. Um, we, we just launched a um, national campaign called Don't Retire Kid. It aired on um, some ESPN PSAs. We've got a lot of professional athletes 
um, involved in it, like Kobe Bryant, Clayton Kershaw, um, Cody Bellinger, Albert Pujols, many more. And, and their whole point was, hey, here's why you want to continue to play sports. It's sort of a message to kids, but in a way also it's sort of a message to adults and parents. Um, that's who you're really speaking to. Hey, here's why you should stay. Just enjoy yourself. You don't need to go travel all over the country to play in this travel right. team tournament. You can play in your neighborhood. That's what Clayton Kershaw said. So, um, but the one challenge, you know, for youth sports in this country is it, it's very disjointed. It's a very fragmented system. It's not like you have, you know, the NFL or Major League Baseball overseeing all these teams or even the NCAA that oversees, you know, all of college sports. Mm-hmm. It is all of these different, you know, municipalities and leagues and organizations all over the country. And unlike some other countries, we also, in America, we don't have a sports ministry that could actually put down, hey, here are some specific guidelines, here's what good should look like yeah. for kids in youth sports. So it's, it's very fragmented all over the place. Um, last thing, um, uh, is there, is, are, are there any big changes afoot? Is this just is this improving on what's there? Is, I mean, what kind of reception do you get when you suggest change to some of these people involved in, in uh, the organized sports? We do. We actually, so I mean, we actually have an organization called um, part of Project Play called Project Play 2020, and it's a group of a lot of leading organizations, even competitors, who have come together at the table, you know, with us, and are trying to grow sport participation rates and are trying to tackle that um, coaches aren't trained and are trying to tackle um, you know some of some of the safety issues. I mean, these are organizations like Nike and ESPN and NBC and Target and NBA, NHL. Amazon, um, PGA, list goes on and on, and it's uh, it's really interesting and refreshing to see uh, you know organizations that want to make a difference, um, that want to come to the table um, and be able to try to grow participation rates. It doesn't mean it's going to happen overnight. I mean, there's one silver bullet. It really takes collective action by everybody who's in the space. Well, John, I appreciate you coming on and uh, keep up the good work. I know you're uh, you you got a uh, a good project going there, and I hope you have success with it. Thanks for being here. Sure. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Okay, that's John Solomon. He's the director of the Aspen Institute Sports and Society Program. We'll be right back. We're talking to Rocky Blyer. He's involved with the Miracle League of Moon Township and the construction of a Miracle League athletic field. The fields are designed to make it possible for kids with special needs to play sports. Every child, no matter what the situation, deserves a chance to be able to play, to compete, and have a place that's safe, takes care of needs, that's organized. This will be the fourth Miracle League field that will be built. Now we've got four places to be able to travel, and so it broadens the whole interest of sports. It's just terrific for a community to do that. There's a buddy system I thought was pretty impressive. What's that all about? Kids with special needs have a buddy, a child who's in school. It's like having an older brother or sister involved with you, so it's really good in that everybody has human dignity being able to participate. The website is miraclesinmoon.org. Check it out and let's help make this dream a reality. Hey, Rocky, thanks, and uh, we'll be talking hey. to you again about this project. Appreciate you coming on to talk about it. Thank you for having me. All right, man. Take it, it easy. Thanks. Rocky All Blyer, right, and we'll be right back. The Supreme Court confirmation process has been on the point of breakdown for 30 years, and it finally collapsed with the nomination of Brett Kavanaugh. I'm Molly Hemming. And I'm Carrie Severino. Our new book, Justice on Trial, the Kavanaugh confirmation and the future of the Supreme Court, tells the story of the process that Kavanaugh himself called a national disgrace and a circus. The Supreme Court is the arbiter of America's most divisive disputes. The incentive to destroy Supreme Court nominees has become nearly irresistible. Our book, Justice on Trial, explores how that happened to Brett Kavanaugh and what we must do to prevent it from happening again. With more than 100 interviews, including the president, dozens of senators and other officials, we uncovered shocking details, untold until now. Will the next confirmation fight be even uglier than Kavanaugh's? Our new book, Justice on Trial, has the answer. Justice on Trial, the Kavanaugh confirmation and the future of the Supreme Court is the explosive new bestseller by Molly Hemingway and Carrie Severino, published by Regnery. Get your copy now at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, and wherever books are sold. Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well, trying to find a needle in a haystack. Sure, you can post your job to some job board, but then all you can do is hope the right person comes along, which is why you should try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its powerful technology identifies people with the right experience and actively invites them to apply to your job. You get qualified candidates fast. So while other companies might deliver a lot of hay, ZipRecruiter finds you what you're looking for. 
the needle in the haystack. Four out of five employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. ZipRecruiter. The smartest way to hire. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash free. ZipRecruiter.com slash free. You're listening to The John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. Well, when I started here at AM 1250, The Answer, a little over a year ago, I spent a little time lobbying for the name of the show to be uh, the show to be called uh, Toxic Masculinity. They kind of shut me down on that, but uh, I'll, I'll still work on that. But uh, I also could call it Gender Stupidity because I, I could do something on gender. St- I could do an hour every day on gender stupidity. There's stuff in the news every day. I, I came across a good one yesterday. Uh, it's the it's the um, the it's in the it's in the UK. They have something called the Advertisement uh, Standards Agency or some stupid thing over there that sounds very uh, Orwellian, and um, it's it's it, they're they're making sure that they're not gender stereotypes in their commercials. So Volkswagen came out with a commercial. And it showed a bunch of men uh, taking part in different things, you know, manly things. It showed a couple of astronauts. Uh, it showed, uh, I don't know, a couple other things. But the big problem, I, apparently, first of all, think about somebody. Think about somebody actually complaining about this. But somebody complained when they saw the commercial because it showed a mother in um, a park sitting at a park bench with a baby in a stroller and that was just uh they just they 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 couldn't deal with it so that uh the agency whoever these people are they came forward and said you know volkswagen you're gonna just have to come up with a different commercial we can't be having women seen taking care of children that's just a little bit too stereotypical and somewhere out there there's someone who's voting for a democrat who thinks the same way and they would like to have people like that in charge of our daily lives. Think about that over the weekend. The John Steigerwall Show is a production of AM 1250, The Answer, and Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.